1: Hey hey, yo! How's it
2: going? Long day at work, but I'm glad we're here.
1: Yeah, glad we made it. Aaron, uh, Aaron may have a new job soon, but we're yeah. not gonna talk about that on the ninety-eight percent. We're not gonna talk about that on, there, yeah. on this program. And we got a special friend with us. Thank you. Got a guy here who's uh, considering considering being our producer. No pressure. So this no is pr- kind of
2: our test run.
1: So if you think that we suck, what should we do? Which we do suck. Well, I, I, Aaron, I'm your mom, your dad listens, right? They both do. So I'm sure that means at least half of our audience likes us, if your parents like us. 50-50 shots. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Things right. may change.
2: All right. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
1: Hello hello welcome from live from well not live cuz we pre-recorded this but from the sunny Appleton Wisconsin it is February 20th. it's actually true this time by the way yeah, we 40 had 90 degrees we had a hot spell it's uh it's like 40 45 degrees outside T-shirt and shorts that's right Bring it on. <laughs> so my name is James Dorn and with me as always is my partner in crime the man who built this city on rock and roll the guy who's always dancing on the ceiling, oh what a feeling, Aaron Rohde.
2: I don't dance, that's that's a lie, I don't dance.
1: <laughs> Alright, so we got a couple things we're going to do for you guys today, including <clears throat> our first reviews of the the records that Aaron and I uh, gave to each other last week. But first, let's get into some news. So, what's happening, Aaron?
2: Uh, two big things happened uh, recently in the world of music.
1: Well, probably more than two, but well, these are the ones we're going to focus Two that we're going to
2: highlight tonight. Um, the big one that I woke up to this morning at 4.30, uh, Daft Punk broke up after 28 years, I believe. Um, recently, James actually just picked up a Daft Punk album. and uh, Random
1: Access Memories, which they were working on around the time they were uh, doing the Tron Legacy soundtrack, which if you haven't seen Tron Legacy, that's a really wonderful movie with an amazing soundtrack.
2: And it's one of their more recently well-known albums at least uh, for my generation that's really the only daft punk album we
1: yeah it had. A, had a big hit on it yeah. uh brian here went to film school you liked tron legacy right uh, the only redeeming quality is the soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like all the cgi of jeff, jeff bridges i mean that whole de-aging thing really messes with my head it, does. Oh, like it, was, it was that Benjamin Button was the first time somebody had really did something like that, right? I mean, if you want to drink a lot and watch that movie, it'll really freak you out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm down for that. So when uh, I was driving over here to Aaron's house with Brian, we were talking about Daft Punk breaking up, actually. And you had said that you read, you know, it was an awesome suggestion that of what these guys should have did. Oh, the social media post. It was... Uh... It was a joke, but I thought, still thought it was ingenious to uh, almost mimic or duplicate the Dread Pirate Roberts and just pass the helmets
2: down to the next generation of EDM artists. It would have been amazing, because nobody sees your face anyway, and you would have never even known.
1: Right. Could have kept the same name. This day and age, to really truthfully not have any idea what these guys look like, that's wild. It would have
2: been really cool if he passed it down to Marshmallow, and Marshmallow went away from his... Little helmet thing and, and went into the robot helmet. It was I a
1: b- cool. I mean, who was the other? Was it uh, was it Dead Mouse? Dead I Mouse. Mean, so. Dead Mouse had a big head, yeah. like too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we could There you go. What was <laughs> that's it? that's our analysis of EDM music. Right <laughs> <there>? <laughs> the extent of the entire world of it.
2: <laughs> the uh, the other big news piece is uh, Taylor Swift is working on re-recording all of her old music.
1: Well, maybe not all of it, but at least some of it. She
2: uh, she released. The re-recording of Love Story on February twelfth basically removed all of the country elements
1: out of it. So she's
2: basically getting rid of her roots, just which is really, it. really
1: interesting. Especially I think for her, I can't really think of any other time that an artist has done that before. Like where they've gone through and essentially, like to use like a geeky term, retconned. Yeah, retconned their I mean, work she's, history.
2: She's basically hitting the reset button and saying, "I'm going to be this Taylor Swift moving forward, and we're not looking back."
1: No, I did recently pick up a copy of Taylor Swift's Red right Out. Oh, I wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs>
2: So much about that just
1: well just doesn't sit well. Well, let me you tell know. you why. Because my favorite, I, I my favorite cousin Chelsea, my favorite artist, Butch Walker, actually produced a couple songs on that. That's fair, I suppose. And he he is my boy. That's and there's fair. some good, there's some decent songs on there. You but know, go ahead.
2: I don't judge anybody's music. That's right.
1: Level. That's the whole tenement of our podcast. Exactly. We don't judge how other people collect. It's
2: your with collection, the exception of
1: Taylor Swift. because you got yes. a thing for Taylor Swift, and you're too ashamed to admit it. That's, no, I don't like bananas. All right, right. So anyway, I um, I did listen to that song, um, Love Story. I heard it on the radio. um, And I don't think she quite hit all the same notes that she did on the original version. It's apparent that this was a more modern take on it. Yeah. But I was never really, like, a big fan of, like, modern country music. So when Taylor Swift was first hitting it big and she was recording all these songs and she was super popular... I was kind of anti-Taylor Swift well, at that point. It, it, so I like I, liked, I liked this new version. I
2: just feel like Love Story is kind of one of those things, like it just, it sounds like a country song. When you throw the lyrics out there, it'd be interesting to hear it, but I don't know if it'd be my jam.
1: So yeah, that'll be Aaron's assignment for the, next, for the next episode. You gotta listen to the new Taylor Swift Love Story. I've been known to procrastinate, so that may or may not get done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what did it what did it she actually that song was pretty successful though. Yeah,
2: she got five point eight million streams just on that first day.
1: And from my understanding that is both uh from like Spotify and from YouTube for like direct demand plays. And I'm sure people either bought it off of, you know, iTunes
2: or listened to it on Apple Music too. I'm sure she She killed it on that day. Oh, I'm sure. And she's
1: probably still killing it right now. I'm sure she's probably, you know, crying about your opinion of her at her mansion in California. You know, I hope she is. (laughs) With her closet full of sweaters. I'm not bitter at all. (laughs) All right, then another new segment we're going to do that uh, is kind of, this will be the first run of it. We are going to kind of go back in music (laughs) history and talk about some things that happened on this day. So again, in case you missed it, the first time through it is February 23rd. So on this day in 1965, the Beatles began filming the follow-up to A Hard Day's Night on location in the Bahamas. The working title was Eight Arms to Hold You. In 1972, after nearly five years of marriage, Priscilla Presley moved out of Elvis's California home. In 1974, the single Rebel Rebel by David Bowie entered the UK charts. In 1976, ACDC shot the video clip for it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll for the an australian television uh, program countdown in 1978 uh, fleetwood max rumors won album of the year at the grammys in 1998 oasis was banned from flying katahay pacific airlines due to their behavior uh, flying from hong kong to perth australia uh, then in 2003 uh, the News of the World reported Michael Jackson had undergone numerous painful operations to remove the black uh, from his skin so he would appear more white. Obviously, we found that to be true years and years later. You know, I love MJ, but that
2: whole thing is still just kind of weird to me.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, like to each their own. MJ, am not here to judge. MJ is an icon. Hands down, but I think we can all admit he made some poor choices and some questionable things. I think there's
2: quite a few uh, musicians and, you know, athletes and just famous people in general who have made some questionable decisions. Right. Like we all do.
1: Right, and Brian here is basically the Michael Jackson of filming. (laughs) 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 He looks just like him. He's, you know, while you're over six feet tall... Well over six feet tall. Well over six feet tall. <laughs> well over 300 pounds. Yes, he's he's a strong man. I feel safe in his arms. Is it too soon? Too soon? No, not soon enough. No, <laughs> too soon. All right. So as we talked about in our previous episodes, Aaron and I like to always have an educational piece. We want to be a place where people who are new getting into vinyl <clears throat> can kind of learn and, you know, hear about some stuff. And I think I shared in the first episode the poor experience that I had with someone when I was trying to get into collecting. So what we want to talk about today is key supplies. Like what kind of extra things should you have besides your turntable? And, um, you know, and Aaron's going to kick us off. So this
2: is kind of one of those things. I know in the first episode I talked about, you know, if you're just getting into it, find somebody else who kind of knows the ropes has been into it for a little bit. And these are the things that James has really helped me out with along with, you know, where to get records and who to go through and all that kind of stuff. But I I presented
1: my super anal cleaning methods and storage methods to Aaron. And and I will say
2: I have used the cleaning methods. I'm still not quite there on the storage just because, you know, I have so many that I don't have enough room for them and enough bins for them at this point. But, you know, That doesn't stop me from buying yet nor should it so uh the the big ones that you know james kind of pointed me in the direction of were
1: inner and outer sleeves for the records so just to kind of put things in perspective when you buy a record sometimes you get really nice sleeves on the inside like if you buy some of the mofi mastered recordings you actually get some really nice sleeves I don't think the Beatles ones and the Beastie Boys came with ones that were too bad. I still replaced them. Um, I don't even remember what my Paul's Boutique one came with, but I I also replaced it. Yeah, sometimes they come with really crappy paper ones. If you get a crappy paper one and you're not careful, it can easily scratch your record. I'm not going to lie. If I open up a record
2: and it has a paper sleeve, I kind of hate it. It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah. So the only ones I keep are the ones that have stuff printed on them. I don't use them, but I put them. I have a spot up in my closet with a big stack of the inner sleeves. You know. And
2: we recently went to uh, an antique store where they actually tucked the, the quote unquote cool sleeves like behind the record, uh, in the in the outer sleeve. And I've kind of started to do that. That way, I know, you know, which sleeve goes with which album.
1: I tried doing that and I got annoyed because I every time I would take my record out to listen to it. It was really hard for me to get the record back into the uh, the external slave. Yeah, I can see that. Right. So I went back to piling them up upstairs in my closet <laughs> randomly.
2: So those are the the big two. Some of them help prevent molding of um, you know the the paper, or the cardboard of the. Um, the sleeve that the record actually fits into,
1: right? So a lot of the the really nice ones are going to be like rice paper, because uh, that decreases the likelihood of scratching and mold, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what James and I both use. Right. We specifically money. use the MoFi, the MoFi brand, which mm-hmm. even says right on the right on it, it says anti scratch, um, anti moisture. And then what he was talking about is getting like an external paper uh, or sort of external clear plastic sleeve that you slide it into. And this will protect the outside of your record. And if you're someone like me who likes to keep things really clean and looking nice and take care of your stuff, like to me, that was a must. And one of my friends, uh, his name's Steve, he was the one that turned me on to getting those because I thought it didn't even cross my mind until he brought it up. And they do come in a couple different millimeters. Honestly, if you're not super rough with your stuff, the thickness really doesn't matter. And
2: if you're like me and buy a bunch of box sets, you know, they don't really fit in the thinner ones. They do have oversized ones. Yeah, I, I've kind of gotten out of hand with some of the box sets recently, but you know it's totally worth it. Like your Hamilton. My Hamilton. I got a Kanye one, and uh, a Lincoln Park Hybrid Theory. Since that was the first album I ever bought uh, on CD, I bought the 20th anniversary uh, box set of it, yeah. which is amazing and was worth every dollar I spent on it.
1: So what uh, what what else are you thinking? What else is
2: good buy? Um, I bought a cleaning kit as well. So what this came with was a velvet brush for the records.
1: So this kind of looks like a almost like a big bar of soap and then it's got like a soft uh, underside like with probably some sort of padding and And then there's a velvet thing attached to it. And what I
2: do with this is so I throw the record on the turntable I start it spinning and I just kind of I put the the brush down on it but I try not to push too hard so it's just a light brushing of the exterior. Of it. And I
1: do a similar thing, but I'll usually spray it down spray it down. Some people spray the brush first. That's you know, the it's...
2: other thing is some sort of spray is also good. And then it also comes with a um a little tiny brush to clean the stylus off. After a while, uh spinning different records, especially if you're getting used records, um some dust can settle in the grooves of the record. When it spins that can collect on the stylus and affect some of the sound quality. So
1: so we always recommend cleaning in between playing um, and then making sure you let your record properly dry before you put it back in the sleeve. Yep. yep. James has a couple other uh,
2: types of, of supplies that may not necessarily be essential, but, you know, he's used it a few times.
1: So one of the other things that I really like is talking about the cleaning uh, cleaning spray. So when you get those cleaning kits, the bottle's relatively small, and you're going to be later, you're going to run out, and you'll be like, man, I don't want to buy another one of these cleaning kits. I had good luck with the Boundless brand, which you can easily find on Amazon, and they come in big. It's a little expensive, but it's like $17.99 for a 24-ounce bottle. And,
2: and that lasts it lasts a me a
1: very long time. And I, well, I'll use it to wipe down my, my um, cover on my record player as well, too. And then um, some of the other stuff that we you could get, um, they have these dust brushes, um, they're anti-magnetic brushes. Static, building up on your record's a concern, um, especially this time of year when it's a little more dry out. So it's a light brush, and you just kind of hold it um, over your record and let your record span, and it demagnetizes a little bit and can reduce the static. Certainly not a must-own thing, but if you are an audiophile and you're super picky about what you like and what you don't like, this might make a make a big difference for you. Well and again, this is kind of one
2: of those things that's like how deep do you really want to go down the rabbit hole?
1: Right. Absolutely. It's a personal thing. You gotta do the research, it's your money. You gotta do what works well for you. Some other
2: big things are good speakers. Um, I think you know, if you're gonna spend the money on a turntable, you wanna spend money to get good quality speakers to
1: and you wanna do your cheap re-
2: out on it. Mm-hmm. I almost cheaped out on it and James talked me out of it um and i'm i'm very glad that he did and i love the little speakers that i've got
1: right you got to do your re- do your research um think about what type of music you want to listen to primarily and then find speakers are going to be appropriate because some of them are going to have like higher bass ranges which would be more appropriate for for like rap like aaron likes and some are to be more tailored towards like rock music where you can get that really good tone with everything like my speakers are had pretty thick actual wood around the side which works well for the majority of what I listen to, yeah, absolutely. And then the last thing I'll talk about is if you kind of if you're going to be one of those uh, crate diggers and really looking for some old school stuff, I bought this product called a vinyl flat, and you may have heard of it. It's uh, actually used to uh, reduce the warp in records. Because I had bought Dan Auerbach's first solo album, which is very hard to get, um, and it was horribly warped because it came with a CD inside of it. To the point where the one side of it was un, absolutely un, unplayable. Uh, so I did my research, and now I dropped a pretty penny on this to get this set up, but I've used it a lot and been able to reclaim a lot of records. So it comes with two large pieces of metal that are kind of record-shaped, and then various uh, fabric inserts that go inside of it. So it goes piece of metal, fabric, record, piece of fabric, another piece of metal, and then you could... Put it into your oven with a specific uh, degree, degrees that they recommend based on the weight of your record. Or you can purchase, like I did, it's called a groovy pouch, which is regulated at a very specific temperature. I have a very high-burning stove, and I did not trust myself to not fry these records. So I ended up spending the money. You're going to end up dropping cumulatively on all of this probably... Probably around two hundred, two hundred forty dollars, but for me, it's it's been worth it. And it's one of those things that
2: you definitely want to try out on a record that you are not particularly fond of, like banjo music. Dueling banjos, yes. It's like dueling banjos, yes, absolutely. Or some <laughs> wham if that's your thing, you know.
1: No, I just <laughs> careless whisper. I'm gonna care, sing careless <laughs> whisper to you as soon as this recording's over. Please
2: don't. <laughs> um, the other. The last kind of big thing and it i mean for some people it may be obvious is just some type of storage for your records that's a good point um i have a wooden crate right now and then i just kind of have a bunch laying all over the basement at this point Um, but i'm working on getting more storage for some of these i know james has the same wooden crates that i have actually Um, and then like milk crate kinds of things yeah um a lot of people use calyx shelves
1: Calyx, uh it's a uh, series of shelving systems that you can get at IKEA. Very common with record collectors. You could probably use a
2: bookshelf if there's enough space in between um, each shelf, but you know.
1: You guys probably know this, but it's important. You got to you got to try to stand them up. You don't want to leave them flat for an extended period of time. And temperatures and temperature is important. Yeah.
2: So, just a few things. I'm sure we are missing some other things, but you know, if you're just getting started, those are some things to kind of look
1: at. Sounds good. So you want to uh, get into the going block, going in blind? Yeah, this is my favorite part for sure. <laughs> do you want to do your review first? Yeah, we Andy can do one? mine first.
2: So, so uh, what record
1: did I put in your hot little so hands last episode? James got
2: for me uh, T-Rex's The Slider. Um, so I love all types of music. I'm open to anything.
1: That's good because when I got him tonight, <laughs> he needs to be open-minded.
2: I would say, and James agreed with this, and this is Part of the reason why he got this album for me is that 60s and 70s is kind of a lost era for me. It's not something that I know a whole lot about. I respect the music of that time. I just don't know a ton of it. I know like the big names, or, like the Beatles, the Beach Boys, that kind of stuff. But outside of that, I don't know a ton of it.
1: What if I told you the Beach Boys had other songs besides Kokomo?
2: Oh, I know that. <laughs> I know that. I My dad was a big Beach Boys guy, so he kind of got us into all that stuff. But that's a big hole for me in uh, musical knowledge, and this kind of was was meant to almost bridge that gap. Um, So I went into this. The only advice James gave me was pay attention to the lyrics as well as the accompanying music. And I'm very glad that he did that because he was right. So a little bit about the album. It was uh, released in 1972 uh, by Mark Boland and his band called T-Rex. Um,
1: That's T. Rex.
2: Yeah, they did go under the name Tyrannosaurus Rex for their first two albums, I believe, from what Correct. I can see. Um, so with all that being said, I did quickly realize, you know, the first song, the second song, that James was absolutely right. The music feels very upbeat, very happy, but the lyrics have a very dark and ominous undertone. You don't necessarily hear it initially, but if you go into it, you know, with that advice, you can definitely pick up on it. The record sleeve that it came with actually had the lyrics on the back side of it, so that was really nice. I could follow along, so that helped out a lot. Um, This was most apparent to me on the first song on the second side, which is the title song, The Slider. Um, so in the chorus of this song, he, he repeats himself that he keeps sliding. So this could be mentally, physically, or or whatever. But you can definitely feel some pain in that song, for sure. Um, the instrumental for that song, however, was actually really catchy and, and had a very upbeat feel to it, which I was digging. But, you know, when you break it down, it's not exactly the case. Um, so when I first look at the album before spinning it the first thing I realized was you know the vinyl was clear which James told me beforehand and I'm big into the colored vinyl the clear vinyl all that kind of stuff so so that was a big uh big attractor to me the second thing was I looked at the cover notes and I don't know why I decided to look at this but the name caught my eye so Ringo Starr is actually credited for taking the uh album cover pictures I dug into it a little bit more. And, and that's ordered,
1: actually something I didn't know.
2: I dug into it and apparently Ringel was helping the group film a documentary at the time and just happened to take the pictures. And I I think he has a pot on his head or a, a tea kettle or think, something like that. I believe, it's, like I believe that. it's a cooking pot. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. It almost looks like a, a German army helmet from the picture, but... Like a pet helmet? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Um... The other thing that I loved about this album, it's got a very good mixture of different guitar styles. There's a lot of acoustic guitars. There's a lot of electric guitars, which I'm a big fan of. I also love the acoustic stuff. But you could tell that this guitar player knew what he was doing. He was very good. He's very melodic. Yes, for sure. Um, The first few songs are mostly acoustic. As you go later and deeper into the album, you get the hard electric guitars. Which is what he's more known for. Um, The album also had a very good flow from one song to the other. And James and I have had this discussion in the past where for an album to be considered a great album, yes, it has to have good songs on it, but I think both of us agree that it has to have that good flow from one song to the other and not just feel like a bunch of singles were thrown onto it. Um, The first side, as the first side of the album went on, I kept thinking to myself, when is that good guitar solo gonna come? And you know, by the time I got myself thinking that, and then I got back to the music, I was thirty, forty five seconds deep into that guitar solo. So it showed up on the last song uh, of the first side called Buick McCain. and it was an awesome solo. It's one of those where you kind of you kind of get lost lost in it and you don't realize you're in it until you, kind of snap out of it
1: yeah he kind of preceded a lot of like what we would call rock gods like he kind of laid the groundwork for it yeah and he, you know especially electric warrior which this album i gave you as a follow-up to electric warrior mm-hmm. um, a lot of people like kiss and so on credit him as one of their inspirations and i could totally see that he's very glam-
2: glamorous as well yeah so that the one thing i loved about that solo was it didn't like it was too long or excessive it was you know it was very energetic you know it kept you hooked and it it wanted you to play that other side of that record which i thought was really cool some other things i liked about the album was the use of other string instruments in the production of the album i started my musical journey playing the violin in elementary school so i'm kind of a sucker for some of those string instruments i didn't know that i thought that was really cool um you could definitely tell that the album is very well put together production-wise, too, which I enjoyed. Um, you know, I could I could tell that he was a great guitar player, but he also didn't come off as too showboaty, which I also like. Some people try too hard on their albums to play and show that they're the best. and It was very late very, 70s
1: into the 80s. Yeah, I feel like thing. that's
2: very corny and I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the album. Again, like I said, it's not a generation of music that I'm super comfortable with and knowledgeable about, but it was very good exposure for me. Um, I could definitely see a kind of bridge between the 60s rock music into, like, the glam rock music and the hair bands in the 80s with, you know, this album.
1: Yeah, he wore, like, feather boas and stuff. Yeah, for sure.
2: Um, So, you know, this... Probably isn't something that I would have bought for myself, but I will definitely be hanging on to this album and uh, It's definitely gonna go into the regular rotation Nice Oh, I will say the one thing that I was not a huge fan about uh, Of it was it had a slower tempo overall and I like the very upbeat you know poppy kind of music with the exception of my gangster rap side which doesn't come out too often and not too many people get to see that but I I think
1: your gangster rap side that's where you live (laughs) yeah unfortunately (laughs) well I'm glad you liked it glad you liked it all right so on to my review so Aaron presented me with a copy of um sorry apparently I, I didn't write the name down here it was Aloe Black's. It was all, all love th- everything. All love everything. I think I got it down here a little lower. So Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins the Third. Yeah, I actually didn't know his real name. <laughs> I didn't either. It's a, it's a, it's a very. Uh, it sounds almost English to me. It does. It does. Yeah.
2: I could get that vibe from him too. All
1: right. Uh, known by his stage name as Aloe Black, is an American singer, songwriter, and musician, hailing from Laguna Hills, California. He's been active since 1995 with One Child. In his library, he has recorded five EPs, 47 singles, and five studio albums. This includes his 2015 release, Lift Your Spirit, which was nominated for the best R&B album.
2: Which I think is his most well-known album
1: so far. That's what I, That's kind of what I was getting, Like whenever I was reading about him, it kind of linked back to that. It was yeah. always mentioning that. Uh, He's also been featured in the kids' program Beat Bugs as Boris the Singing Frog, and he made an appearance on Episode 7 of Season 25 of The Bachelor. So now think about this for a second. We got 25 seasons of The Bachelor, but just one season of Firefly. Just think about that for a second.
2: The Bachelor's still going. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it.
1: I actually, my wife was watching this episode of The Bachelor, and I was like, there's Alan Black. There's Alan Black. (laughs) I did appreciate that picture. I did. And I sent Aaron a picture immediately. Uh, So my thoughts. Again, like Aaron and I have said several times, music's a personal experience. So let me tell you what I look for. First is the tone of the music. I almost always gravitate towards positive music. I listen to music to distress and feel good. Second is the message and what the artist is trying to tell me. Third is vocal styling. I'm pretty open-minded in this area. I just generally don't like screaming. I need to be able to understand what the person's saying. And last of all is the composition of the music. Kind of looking for how things all kind of come together. All right, so let's dive in. So from the moment I started this album up, I noticed it was positive. Even the slow songs had a positive undertone. A great example of this is track seven. I do. I walked away from this a piano-heavy song riddled with loss, but I had somehow a feeling of hope. Like this loss was meant to, uh, meant a lot of self-realization on his part. Uh, many of the songs dealt with uh, love of family, marriage, parenting, and overcoming opposition. I would say with a slight Christian undertone. I don't want to put you off when I say Christian undertone. He doesn't hit you over the head with it. I think it's just part of who he is, and he isn't going to hide that, nor should he. Uh, L's vocal styling definitely has hints and undertones from soul singers of the past, like Al Green and Sam Cooke. I would say he still manages a uh, decidedly modern tone and somehow keeps it you know, his own. I would even give him credit as saying he does well with the folk influence track number nine, Hold Tight and the Cuban influence track number six, Glory Days. If I had to find one criticism for the album, I would say it's the composition of the music. Now, I don't want to put you off and say it's bad. When I think of a truly great soul album, I think of rawness of emotion. I typically look for the one-two punch, and Al's musical accompaniment fails this at times. It leaves me not really feeling much. Uh... And then many of these great soul singers from the past actually had help with the music side of things. So I think that I would really like to, in the future, hear Allo with someone who can give him a really robust kind of retro tone to accompany his modern voice. And I'd like to see him take some focus off the music part and work on that. That being said, when I bought this on my own, I probably wouldn't have. Do I like it? Yes, Definitely. The message and what he is going for is something I truly appreciate. So for that reason, All Black's All Love Everything has found a permanent home in my collection, and I will definitely consider buying his albums in the future and will follow him on Spotify.
2: You know, and I kind of figured that, you know, this may not be James' favorite album, but, you know, as far as modern music is uh, concerned, I definitely felt like you would, you would vibe with him.
1: Right, and I I don't listen to a ton of modern music, Um, and what I do listen to, I would kind of say it's a lot of more like southern dirty rock, kind of heavily blues and tunes. Yeah. So, all right, do you want to go right into the next records, or do you want to talk about what you bought from Armando? Ooh, that's a hard one. You
2: know, I just opened Armando's package. Let's talk about that.
1: All right, so a little preference with that. So again, the second chance of the vinyl group that Aaron and I belong to, and our favorite man in the world, Armando Cardosa. I'm gonna great I, man. Great I don't man. feel bad if I mispronounce his last name because he frequently mispronounces Aaron's. <laughs> Every time, Every time. It's not just him to it's be not, aware. Everybody does that. It's so funny. I, um, I bid the last two weeks, and I got uh, two. I got two weeks worth of stuff coming, but. Uh, He knew that I was going to be buying something for sure from him, so he waited to send mine. So I did not get anything since our last broadcast. But very shortly, Chelsea, if you're listening, earmuffs, I'm going to be getting uh, at least 11 albums (laughs) from him and uh, between those two weeks.
2: Let's just say during not this past Sunday's auction, but the week before, the words... James, Are You Addicted to Records came out of Armando's mouth
1: at one point during the auction. Yes. Which <laughs> which was amazing. He called me out. He called me out. And and he interacted was, with my wife. Oh, it was fantastic. And he even offered to have a code name for me. And I will say,
2: Melissa was listening at the time, and she said... Melissa's Aaron's girlfriend. And she said yes, and Aaron is too, which kind of <laughs> hurt a little bit, but it's not wrong. It's not wrong. No. It's not wrong. So what, what do you got, buddy? So I got my stack today, got home from work, saw it on the table. I got too excited to uh, wait for James to get over, so I opened it. My bad. Um, so the first album I got, I was very excited about this one. actually ordered it from Target uh, two days before buying this copy of it and uh, I actually got permission from The Girlfriend to buy this version instead. Um, so to preface that, Target had a buy two, get one free deal. This was the free album
1: that I got, so I feel a plain, less... A plain old black version of it. I
2: feel less bad about getting this album as well. It is NWA's Straight out of Compton. Hope you all caught the reference at the beginning of the episode. If not, I feel sorry for you. Go listen to it right now. Um, it is on... Limited edition red vinyl, 2019 uh, reissue Still Sealed. He actually sent an outer sleeve with the Still Sealed record, which is kind of amazing as well. It's gonna look great on the red table. Probably will be the first one of this group that I listen to. Yeah. So I've got It's a that. classic. James will be getting my free copy that I have showing up, which is supposed to be here on Friday. Sounds good. Um, this is an album that James and I both got. Um, Armando had uh, a slew of these records available. It is a Foo Fighters album. It's their debut album. I actually don't know the name of the
1: album. Was it just called Foo Fighters? I, I, think I it's gotta be self-titled. honest with you, I can't. Yeah, it's just called Foo Fighters. It's the one that's got the kind of Buck Rogers ray gun on the front. It looks like uh, Luke Skywalker's laser gun as well. Buck Rogers was um, before I. Luke I, I don't know who Buck Rogers is. <sighs> Brian knows who Buck Rock is. I probably is a film just guy.
2: aged myself a lot there compared to James as well, but
1: you are anyways. basically a Fias. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <clears throat>
2: um I picked up a Portland album. So Armando is from the Portland area. Billsboro. Uh, so this has a lot of local bands to Oregon. It's a punk rock album. It was like seven bucks. I figure, you know, I like music. I like punk music. These are probably bands you'd never let's try it out yeah exactly so and i'm sure their music is very good so i'm excited to try that i love the uh back cover of this Some it skulls. looks very uh blink 182-ish to skulls me. skulls and
1: trash cans
2: yeah so i'm excited about that one this one i had no idea who this group even is i heard armando say the words electronic funk music in 1981 and i said I'm going to bid on
1: that. He got on that before me because I was going to bid on it. And I knew
2: he was going <laughs> to bid on it, too. Um, it is General Hospitale, H-O-S-P-I uh, hyphen T-A-L-E. It's called Afternoon Delights. I know nothing about it. Tried to find it on Spotify the other day. I could not find it on Spotify. Brian,
1: do you like Afternoon Delights? Love them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did find it on YouTube. I sent James a uh, little snippet of it. I'm excited for this one just because. And then in the middle of the auction, uh, Armando kind of called me out and he goes, Aaron, do you like rap music?
1: And no, no, Aaron's like, not a lot.
2: Those who know me know that I like rap music. He sent me a Lil John and the East Side Boys. What you gonna do? Um, I don't know anything about the album, actually. I may have had this CD back in the day, truthfully. It looks like it's an EP, it's got six songs on it. He said it was slightly warped, but he did play test it. Um, so this was my filler. I was going to pay him for it. We were talking about how much I was going to pay him for it. Then he kind of abruptly cut the conversation off. And, like he does. And it showed up today, <laughs> which I should have assumed it was going to.
1: Right. So that, that, that record will more than likely be taking a ride in the vinyl flat. Oh, for sure.
2: <laughs> um, we also made a trip to Exco. Last week. That's our
1: local uh, mom and pop shop. There's about three of them in the area. The exclusive company. Their slogan is, say it with me, the exclusive company.
2: (laughs) So we went there after my job interview. Uh, That went well. And I picked up a, a Kanye West album. It's the only Kanye album that I told James I would ever buy. And it was the first time I saw it. So I picked it up. It's my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy.
1: He said to me, he goes, How many times have I said
2: that I was going to buy this album? If I had to. I couldn't let it it lay there. What else did I get? I got quite the stack. I got uh, Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. I've been looking for some Beastie Boys for a long time. Yeah,
1: and he asked me which one, and I'm like, that's the one.
2: (laughs) I got it on purple vinyl, which I did not try to, but that was what they had. I will not complain about it. Um, I got Run DMC's King of Rock, which I just spun the other night, and it was awesome. I think that's it. Nice. I think there's, uh, well, there's too many we well hold on I don't want
1: I don't want to spoil my thoughts we'll wait until the next episode we're, running to talk out about... of, we're almost
2: running out of time I don't want to think James can cover 11 albums and what we got left no
1: no no James can't <laughs> all right so let's move on to our records for the going, Bl- going and blind, going in blind segments and this is where I present Aaron an album he I tell you the artist the year. And then Aaron will give you the his initial impression on it. and then... So,
2: let's preface this. The first time we did this, I think we both went very safe for each other, I would say. I would uh, agree. Tried to fill in some gaps for one another. And we've been talking for the past few days about what we may or may not be getting for each other. And I think neither of us went very safe for this one. Oh, I definitely didn't go safe. <laughs>
1: I definitely, definitely didn't go safe. I will
2: say with the artist choice, I kind of went slightly conservative. But the album, not so much.
1: I mean, bottom line, Mm -hmm. I tried to get you something I thought you'd like. Right. But I also... Yeah, we're not trying to buy quote-unquote crap for each other. Right. I would never intentionally buy
2: you something I thought you would like. The only thing I would buy for you is ICP. Because you've told me not to. (laughs) That's good. I hate
1: ICP. I hate ICP. All right, so this first record that I'm, well, not your first, your second record, uh, is published in 2019 on Sub Pop Records. Um, If you watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Mm -hmm. this record could be seen in her friend Mo's apartment hanging up on the wall at one point. I've seen this in the background on a lot of shows, Mm -hmm. so a lot of artists are getting on board with this, this particular artist. This is Orville Peck's Pony. Feel like I've seen this
2: album cover before, but I know nothing about So tell them about it, tell them what you're seeing. Um this is creepier than hell. (laughs) Um so it's a guy in a red, I'm assuming velvet cowboy hat, and then he's got a leather mask on. It looks like a Dominatrix mask, I'm not gonna lie.
1: With fringe hanging down. With fringe
2: hanging down, and he's got a white t-shirt on, red background. That's his
1: trademark trademark
2: mask. When uh, when I see this, my first thought is Lil Nas X, and you probably don't know. No idea. No idea who that is. That's my thought.
1: This 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 was not a spontaneous buy. This was something I was like, I'm I'm, I thought about this for three weeks. This is this is the one that I thought about. (laughs) I had a different one in my hand today, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to get this one. So on the back side, all I see is the
2: Orville Peck pony, the track list, and then a pair of cowboy boots. So I can't tell if this is country, if it's pop, or what the hell it is. So so what I'll say to you is, yes, it is. All of those things. (laughs) I'm a little scared for this one, but like I said before, I'll give anything a
1: shot. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, considered buying that for myself at one point, actually. Okay, so then it's got to be pretty it's, good. I like that then album. Then it's got to be pretty good. So if you hate that album, I will take it back. Because <laughs> so I do not own it. I, oh, man. So, initial I mean, impression. I'm so what, scared. What are you thinking? I don't even know what to think.
2: I mean, the label says alternative rock. I'm into that kind of stuff. Yeah. If it's like a blend of, you know, pop country with like Panic at the Disco with a little bit of hip hop in there. I'm all for it. It's a
1: very eclectic sound. Okay. The only thing I'll encourage you, because I was reading about him, um, what he he's says about dude, what know. he says about this mask, well, why he w- wears it. Okay, I, I'm sure there's a, a very good backstory yeah. in there. Yeah, just look it up. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. And I'll tell you, he's uh, he's Canadian. Oh, that explains so much. Yeah, he's Canadian. Actually,
2: I also got you a Canadian artist. Great. You ready? Let's, let's time. Let's do so, it. So, I recently got a. Uh, the Weekend album. Uh, it's Starboy. It's on blue vinyl. It's amazing. So I sent uh, James a snippet of a song. And I liked it. And he, his words were, that sounds fun. It does sound. It did. So I went and I picked up The Weeknd's Kissland, which is his second, I believe it's his second studio it's album. The same guy? Same guy. Yep. What, like a different band? Nope. Same guy. He's a solo artist. So,
0: so this-, this is like
2: his... His more underground, independent kind of stuff. So his
1: name's The Weeknd, but name the, is album, the, Weekend. Then the, the album, album was names... called Starboy. For, for Correct. The, uh, yep. This. Okay. Yep. No, you, um, I'm actually I'm actually really excited. Same guy, different haircut. So I will
2: warn you, he's got different uh, different types of music. He's a very
1: well-rounded artist. And I'm going to tell you, you did good because I know nothing about this um,
2: guy. And that's kind of why I picked it too. And oh, yeah. the, the moment you said, that sounds fun. This guy popped into my head and was like, that's what I'm going to get. Um, it had
1: a very 70s kind of fu- like uh, disco so sound. Yeah,
2: he's kind of gone back and forth on different types of sounds. Um, he's a very experimental kind of guy. I don't know a whole lot about this album, but I think you can get into it. Yeah. Um, it was initially released in 2013. I do not believe this is a reissue. It's kind of like a box set. Yeah, the it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a nice looking box. Um, yeah, this is back when he had his crazy hair days, which I loved his haircut for. Me. All
1: right. So, what I'm looking at is a largely uh, black background. Uh, it says in white writing, The Weekend Kiss Land. And then there's, I'm assuming, the artist. Go ahead and spell weekend for the crowd who doesn't know. W E E K N D. We ain't got time for three E's around here. Nope, nope. <laughs> And he's, uh, he's just sitting there with his head kind of cocked back a little bit, looking confident. Like, and then on the back, it uh, looks like it's a logo of a city. I'd um, actually almost say it looks kind of Tronish, like the logo in the background a little bit. And Which, he actually is from Toronto. So it's very much like a pirate map logo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it looks mo- like a modern futuristic. Uh, no songs listed on the back. So. I think if you look close, no,
2: on the back side here, I may be wrong. Oh, never mind. No. Okay. I will.
1: I just slid it out a little bit, and there's some very, like, Tokyo-looking uh, Japanese writing in, on the inner sleeve. I am impressed with the packaging that, that this, this looks, came in. And then the album's songs are on the back there. So it's a little box sleeve and then a gatefold on the I'm, inside. I'm actually really excited to try this, because that little bit that you played for me the other day, and just, like, I pull this out. This is beautiful looking. Yeah. Like... There were
2: three copies of this at the store, and I almost bought two so I could have one. That That sounds good. There was a little voice in my head saying, No, don't do it.
1: So, we got about 15 minutes left, so I'll share one more story before we call things. Oh, boy. So, let's talk about my poor choice of what I purchased lately. Your poor choice. What What did I give you? Oh, (laughs) boy.
2: So, (laughs) James decided to get a little experimental I did things the I other did week, the other
1: week so I'm over at exclusive company and I'm like you know what I'm like you. Aaron Aaron likes rap and hip-hop yeah. I'm like I'm gonna get some rap and hip-hop I think I have it so now, I go get the Fugees the score you know admittedly I'm like strum. you know is it uh Lord hell Lord. pain with your fingers like that's a great song and I'm like and I read some reviews. I'm like, that that sounds like a good album. You know, I the Fugees. Now I know they weren't. That album was very popular in the '90s. That album. I have around somewhere. And then I mean, the other album I decided to get. And I'm like, you know, everybody I know likes Wu Tang Clan. So there's a reason
2: Wu Tang sold better as Wu Tang than they did as solo artists. So.
1: <laughs> right. So I was remembering watching Luke Cage, and they had this trailer with old dirty bastard on it when they were playing shimmy shimmy yeah and i'm like i like that song so what did i find i find a copy of old dirty bastards returned to 36 in the chamber so i get this album i throw it on and what i can tell you is musically i loved it i think shimmy shimmy yeah is the first or second song second on the song. album and musically, I loved it. like I thought the music was great. It was very reminiscent of what I would say like early Dr. Dre and the quality of the music. and but then he started talking. and he was a very angry man that was talking about a lot of a lot of murder and some derogatory things towards women, including uh, stuff about period blood. and I'm just like, you know what? I made a bad choice. <laughs>
2: this is not It's not my thing. They, they're not all keepers.
1: No, that's for sure. So, and so I know that we made that a little trade. We made we made some trades. So I gave that to Aaron, and then I gave him my previous stylist, which which has yet to be changed, which out. is still uh, that I upgraded my order font Red, uh, which is like probably like $80, 90 dollars somewhere around there. And I got the basic needle with the table, right? And then uh, he gave me a copy of Appetite Appetite for Destruction that's the Guns right. N' Roses, and then he's going to give me uh, NWA. Just because I know I've listened to that before. Just because
2: he likes to witness strength of street knowledge instead of angry rapping music.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I want to learn about the street. (laughs) It's uh, all about the street. Moral of the story is sometimes you buy stuff that you shouldn't.
2: Yeah, but that's okay. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. There's always people you can trade with. You can always go and sell it at... You know he could go sell it back at the record
1: store. He won't get what he paid for it. But, oh, it was a double album. But you know, <laughs> I did like the Fujis. The score, something. I kept the score.
2: We're we're trying to get James into more of the hip y stuff.
1: Right, right. Which I need that. I need that. We all need a little bit of hip hop in our life. Right. All right. So just uh, kind of wrap things up here. Just a reminder, we do have a Twitter page. It is one more record podcast. Feel free to message us on there. If there's anything you like, dislike, or if we said something completely wrong, we'll definitely apologize.
2: Yeah, feel free to uh, tweet at us. We have a uh, Gmail account as well. You can go ahead and email us on that. It's uh, just one more record
1: at uh, I don't believe it's just. I think it's one more record. One more record, pod, one more record podcast at gmail. Something like that. You can find us. <laughs> um, you know
2: if. If this becomes you know, a bigger and bigger thing in the future, we can work on getting uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're, we're both just, we're both just out.
1: very busy with work and we're just trying to see how this is going to fit in. Um, we are going to be meeting up together again to do more episodes. We're Absolutely. just making sure that we're going to stick with it before we drop the money to get on the big, the big services. For sure. All right, everybody. Have a good night. And, and remember, there's always more vinyl.